how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. It grew out of normal people, said Lenny Abrahamson, about the new series Conversation with Friends. Both stories came from Irish author Sally Rooney. The series is listed as Normal People, premiering in 2020, and Conversation with Friends, premiering in 22, but the process was a little more overlapping for the writer and director. In Normal People, we follow Marianne and Connell from different backgrounds, but the same small town in Ireland as they weave in and out of each other's romantic lives. In the new series, Conversations with Friends, two Dublin college students, Francis and Bobby, and the strange, unexpected connection they forge with married couple Melissa and Nick. In this interview, the writer-director talks about making limited series instead of films based on the adaptations, how he carried on the, quote, normal people style, why he dislikes the Sid Field method, and what he's learned working on adaptations. Listen to my first interview with Lenny back in episode 229. Well, actually, it, it kind of grew out of normal people because I work really closely with this company, Element Pictures, a gang of brilliant people here in Dublin. And they had already optioned conversations with friends by the time normal people came out. And I had kind of, I knew the novel, really liked it, but they were developing it as a feature. Mm. And I couldn't really get my head around it as a feature. So I was just sort of watching from the sidelines while that was happening. But then towards the end of the process on normal people, we were at the TCAs in Los Angeles and Sally was there and we'd all been talking and it just seemed really suddenly very obvious having gone through the process of adaptation on normal people in this episodic form mm -hmm. that we, you know, we'd learned a lot about how best to work with Sally's material. And we all kind of felt actually kind of the obvious thing is to do conversations as a series, at which point I got excited because I'd enjoyed the normal people process so much and I said, yeah, I'm absolutely in if that's the way it goes. And that's where it started. So we'd really only finished post or we were finishing post on normal people when 
we cranked up because it was very quick to get the BBC on board for that and Hulu again. It was only there. So we were already cranking up with the breaking the episodes and doing all that stuff really well. Normal people were still uh, not out in the world. So I've actually had no, I mean, I've had time because of lockdown delays and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, you know, attending to other things on the slate mm-hmm. a little bit, but, but actually I've been in Sally Rooney world pretty solidly since starting work on normal people. Mm-hmm. I spoke with the writer of uh, the series made and we talked about normal people. Do you feel like as far as why these can't be movies or, or be better as series because you need the longevity of the cycle? Like, how do you kind of think about those things? Yeah. So partially it is that it's just the, the, like the, the amount of screen time you have to play with, but there's also something like w- with Sally's work, it benefits from a quiet, close look you know, those characters, like you need to draw people into the kind of details of their experiences and you need to have them pay close attention to the kind of small changes and shifts going on in their lives. And if you try to impose the, the kind of stronger kind of like the more extreme arc of a feature film, like, you know, the single rise to a kind of, I suppose, a, a you know, a kind of like the traditional rise and fall of a feature story. It just doesn't, it doesn't uh, work for what is really a cumulative slow build of Sally's novels. And I, I think the short episodes mean that you, they don't really feel like kind of traditional TV drama where you've got to have a lot of plot and a B story and all sorts of stuff in a TV hour. You can work in a kind of movie style Mm-hmm. But these very, but these very short, intense bursts of, of story, over like twenty five minutes or whatever it is, allows you to be very kind of, um, pure in the in this filmmaking style, mm-hmm. but it doesn't impose the kind of feature length, um, demand for like a, a a kind of crescendo or a you know, scale story scale, that I just don't think suits her. Did you find there were enough like general plot points from the novel as far as ad- adapting this or that it made, was it difficult or did you ever have to say, we need to slow down and make sure we are focusing on those nuanced moments or was it already there? No, it was harder. It was harder in conversations with friends and normal people to kind of build the episodes. Um, actually, because you're trying to keep lots of different, um, you're juggling and you're trying to keep lots of different you know, juggling balls in the air. So you have this kind of dynamic relationship of Francis and Nick, which is the one that kind of changes things for everybody. And so it's the one that pushes story. Mm-hmm. But you kind of, like, if you're not careful, then you lose the focus on Bobby and Francis's relationship. But, and so it, there was a certain amount of moving things around and taking hints from comments made by Francis in the, in the book's narration that, like, expanding those those references, those short references into scenes and um, to make sure that each episode has its kind of point and it's, and it leaves you with something strong. Um, But if you go too far in that direction, if we compressed it too much, then you lose the, the detail and you lose the space and the breath that the thing needs. Like I do feel, I feel like from a, from the point of view of 
of every project having to have a kind of challenge for me, we really did want to push the style of filmmaking that we developed in normal people. We wanted to push that further in conversations with friends. And so if anything, it's, it, it does make some quite strong demands of the audience, you know, unless you, unless you really kind of lean in and, and, and let yourself kind of be drawn deeply into the characters, um, then th that's when it works. That's when I think it really, it really pays back. But if you're like just sort of tuning in and, and hoping for um, an easy ride through, then it's not as satisfying, I think. And, and I, I like that. I mean, for me, that's, it's good. It's good to kind of push yourself and to challenge the audience to some extent. Is that also something where you're, are you kind of thinking about rewatchability? Are you thinking about what's their second viewing compared to the first viewing and third and fourth? Yeah, it is interesting. I think it, I think this style of work does, does like pay, it does pay to rewatch. Like I, I, I think there is a lot of stuff happening that, you know, you may, you may enjoy in a different way or see new things on a rewatch. I never make something with that in mind, but, but I would hope that everything that I make does repay rewatching because that's just a sign that there's depth there and density there. And it isn't just, you know, uh, you know, it's, it, there's, 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 it's meaty and chunky and there's something to be discovered. I know a lot of people rewatch normal people. We can, you can kind of see that in the, the way the platforms mm -hmm. kind of record the data. Um, and I'd be really interested to see if that's the case with conversations. Hmm. Coming in as, as a filmmaker, what was your initial thoughts about the, the Sally Rooney novels? Like, how did you see them? How did you kind of know that they could be made into series? Um, so I, like I say, with conversations, I love the novel, but didn't really think about it as a screen adaptation. It was when I read Normal People, that I kind of, I always have this thing for me, uh, you know, if I see pictures when I'm reading, if I, if I can see, if I can feel a kind of tonal territory visually, you know, and in terms of like screen storytelling, you know, that's the thing. I, I have to feel it quite quickly. And I did with normal people, I felt it really quickly. And it's something to do with the simplicity of her writing. You know, if you read her novels, there's very little in the way of kind of literary pretension or, you know, per, there's no purple prose. There's, she writes in a very direct way and yet she does manage to bring you kind of deeply into contact with the characters. And I think that, that kind of chimes with the way I make films as well. I like, I like all my work and all the structure and the kind of scaffolding and everything and the, the wiring and, all of that to be hidden and, and it to seem like you're just with people and somehow drawn in in ways that are hard to uh, analyze or reverse engineer. And there's something about her writing that does that. And then, um, you know, I'm Irish and I grew up here and I, I also went to that university and I had, you know, various ways in which my own life kind of, maps onto the lives of her characters, albeit with like a 30 year gap. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting to me to like encounter the, the shifts in, our, in Irish society and in, you know, 
huge aspects of the culture by looking at lives that were kind of going down similar channels to mine, but now rather than in the early eighties or whatever. Mm. Um, and like, and I was very enthused by her picture of younger Irish people, you know, like just how kind of, how, how much that people seem to have grown and, and, and be kind of more confident, less, less kind of under the shadow of some of the institutions that really dominated the lives of the people around me when I was that age. So a whole load of reasons made it really interesting to me. And I also just felt kind of achingly for those characters. And that's always, a, you know, the most central thing. I really felt for them and thought, yeah, that I can see them on screen and I can see a way of telling that story that captures something of Sally's kind of, of the feel of reading the novel, albeit in this different form. You think these stories, normal people in conversation with friends are, are doing something different, maybe like depicting younger people in a different way. Like they're not necessarily foolish. They're fully developed. I think that's, do you kind of see that in your, in these adaptations? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to compare what, what's happening in the, in these stories, say in comparison to like a lot of TV and movie depictions of, people at that point in their lives, you know. American stuff's generally soapy. I mean, that's kind of the way it goes, it's, you know. It's either soapy or it's really dystopian, you know, right. or really kind of provocative, particularly about young people's sexuality. You know, you yeah. often get like, you know, stuff which is just intensely shocking, okay. sort of designed to be around dysfunction, drugs, kind of, you know, uh, you know where where like intimacy is really a pro like problematized and you know and there's a kind of nihilistic um mood music which i think is really valid because i, I think that expresses something very true about lots of people's experience at the moment both in the states and elsewhere but i i think what's unusual about sally is just like ultimately um she manages to be unsentimental, but still like give a portrait of, of like the joy and intense kind of um, healthfulness of love, intimacy, sex, conversation, friendship, all of those things. Like, and gives a flavor of how, in, how amazing kind of, and, and kind of transformatory those years can be mm -hmm. for people of that age. And I thought I feel like that's a really good kind of antidote to or contrast to a lot of the the more kind of either sentimental and soapy depictions or mm -hmm. the kind of um, the reveling in how kind of shit everything is and how fucked up everything is. Mm -hmm. Were there any moments in the in the novel conversations that didn't make it? to the screen for whatever reason because they did maybe because the medium didn't transfer or it was more of an internal thought anything like that that comes to mind yeah there are definitely things it's funny how when you've done an adaptation it's it, like um the adaptation becomes the thing and then it's really hard to remember back like i've just been working on a i'm going to do a, an event with an author that i've whose book i've adapted and i'm rereading the book and going oh wow we really changed quite a lot you know and i didn't think we had so in this case, yeah, there are, there are things that, there are aspects to every part that we didn't put in. 
and there are things that we had to invent or to embellish. I'm trying to think of some specifics, like, you know, even things like Melissa's, the character of Melissa, who's a photographer, kind of essayist in the novel. Mm-hmm. She's a writer now and she doesn't write an article about the girls. She like, so there's a kind of a, a, a bunch of story mechanics, which, which we didn't use from the novel. I think that's probably just my own personal dislike of movies about where the central character or one of the main characters is a photographer. You just end up with like endless people, endless actors sort of posing with cameras and doing all that like sexy, sexy clicking that people do, you know? Um, and uh, there are definitely aspects of the, of the relationship with um, Nick that we shifted and changed. But I actually think that overall, the, the changes are small and everywhere. Mm. And the emphases shift, but there's no like massive part of the story that we didn't use or... Um, you know, there's a very strong section in the book where Francis goes into a church and it's at the point of sort of maximum crisis for her where she's both sick and also kind of facing up to how badly she's behaved. And in the end, that didn't go in because it was so internal in the novel mm. that it was that the images just didn't mean the same thing. And we had to find other ways of, of expressing that shift in her. When you're reading other scripts, are you looking for those things to avoid where it's like, you know, this character's a photographer and you can tell right away, it's kind of just surface level. They haven't done any in depth. They're in the, they just show them in the dark room or whatever. Do you like purposely avoid those things? Yeah. Well, as soon as I see kind of sexy jobs and (laughs) the other one is like, uh, you'll find someone is a kind of marine biologist, you know, it's, it's thrillers always have that. Right. You know, or some or, uh, you know, there's just a kind of shorthand of. I don't know what it is. It's like it's like a kind of it's it's adjacent to real life, but it's kind of not just like everybody's way too attractive. And, uh, you know, um, apartments look great. And yeah, I mean, I'm very I'm really, really tough on scripts. And, and in fact, like. I've never done something that just came through the door. I've never, ever mm. made something where the script arrived. Partially because I think I, li- I just like to be involved in the, in the conception and execution right from the beginning. But also, and I'm very, very critical of, of scripts. I think part of the problem actually is that um, a lot of scripts that go out into the world are really designed to be read by people who might fund them. And that means that writers, for very good reason, fill the pages with descriptions and and kind of color and, you know, an and attempt to make the read itself really vivid. And maybe was, because I, I'm a director, I just don't, that all irritates me. I just want the barest and most minimal and least kind of try hard version of, of something. And, and shooting scripts for me are very bare. Um. So I think I'm I'm already kind of likely to get irritated by a lot of a lot of scripts, um, and also you know this is going into to deeper territory, but what you often find, and it's part of how people are educated to write screenplays, 
you'll find like the name of a character and then open brackets and you'll get like a, a five adjective description of who they really are. And as soon as I, like, I always think, well, I don't really need to investigate this anyway, anymore because it's all, it's all there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm interested in characters where there's, where there's, where there's an impenetrability, you know, where you don't really understand them. Mm. And I don't go, okay, I don't want to see, yeah, here's the person, here's their problem. How are they going to overcome it? Which is how lots of scripts are written. So that's not how life presents itself. I wish I knew what my problem was, you know, in my life. Uh, you know, <laughs> if most people experience things as a kind of slightly foggy, um, you know, uh, vista where they don't really quite know where they want to go and they don't really know what's kind of stopping them going where they want to go. And that's, that's more interesting to me than the kind of um, clarified version this sort of simplified version that you get in screenplays of of what human life is like you know hmm. is there is there a way that you've seen that done really well aside from adaptations i'm trying to think i mean it, it would be maybe a more of a standoffish character less detail it almost sounds like you'd like to see a studio script that they read and then a real script that you read that's different yeah exactly <laughs> i mean there are good there are really good um there are really good filmmakers out there doing like great work um, where there's still an element of mystery and uncertainty about the characters. I mean, it, it's not a big movie, but I love Joanna Hogg's film, The Souvenir. Mm -hmm. um, and her, she made a second, the follow-up to that Souvenir too. And I, I just absolutely believe the characters, but I couldn't reduce them to a, you know, he's a, he's a, beaten down cop who had ambitions to do more, but right. finds himself in a dead end job when X happens, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for, I think you're in, you're in such a unique position, but any advice for filmmakers who want to make films, uh, aspiring to make films like yours um, that are having to go through the, the studio route and do more popcorny stuff? I mean, I think you've got to do the thing. My only advice, my advice to people generally who want to direct is to, you know, people say, oh, should I assistant direct or should I work on set doing something else? Or I always say, well, just start. The best thing you can do is start doing the thing that you want to end up doing, you know, mm -hmm. at whatever level you can. And so I think it's very hard to push through the studio system if your aim is to go somewhere else. Um, I think if you if you've got to if if your sensibility is like like the people who make the best studio movies and the people who make the best superhero movies and the best horror movies are people who are really into studio movies, really yeah. love superhero movies, and really love horror movies. You know, and but if you want to make something a bit more independent, I think you kind of got to start doing that. Very very hard to do that through the studio. The only way of doing that through the studio is to develop a big enough reputation that the studio wants you for you. Mm -hmm. And that does happen sometimes. I think the tricky thing now is that when I started out, there, wa there were more routes to um, get your independent film into a theater. Yeah. That's really hard now. Right. And so probably, I don't know, some of the, the most kind of, the alternative work is now more, more likely to be seen on, a streamer perhaps than in the theater mm -hmm. you know if you think about all the films in Cannes or whatever 
in in a European context, a lot of those will have a good life. But in the English speaking world, you know, it's going to be really hard to see them. Um, So I don't want to be too negative, though. So I would say to anybody who really wants to make, you know, stories about real people and and explore the medium and do all those things. Start doing it at whatever level you can, even if it's working on your phone and and develop your skill and really good work does get noticed. And then look at the landscape that's around you and see what the opportunities are to get that stuff out to a bigger audience, because that will change over the next while. It's hard to see where, I don't know how long this streaming kind of, um, like the flowering of all this good material on, on the right. streamers will last. It may not last them. You know, the cinemas may open up again to, like maybe we'll be maybe in 10 years time it will be like the the glory days of the 1970s i don't know but at the moment i feel lucky because i have enough of a reputation to get films made that are not in the mainstream but i wouldn't like to be starting out i think it's a really tough time to be starting out if that's what you want to do Working on these adaptations, how has that changed the way you now write your original content? Is it deeper? Are there other are there any rules that change that you think about? It's a really good question. So I'm I'm working on a script, or I'm about to work on a script that I've been thinking about for a while. I think everything. I mean, you know, the cliche in a way, but it's true is that everything you do kind of is a is an opportunity to develop and to learn. You know, I th- I think one thing that it that working on adaptations does it does kind of clarify what it is that is necessary for something to work on screen because you're constantly faced with this thing. You've got this 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 kind of document of the novel or whatever it is, and then you're trying to kind of find a form that works for that. And it does clarify for me that this. This like that there always has to be this like film is more like music. It unfolds in time. It there's a kind of journey that the audience takes that's completely um, controlled by the filmmaker in a way that I think even a reader can pause, put it down, pick it up, read at their own pace, go back, read a paragraph again. It's very different to that kind of more musical right. um, experience of like watching a film, and and there always has to be this kind of thread of tension, even if it's tiny and really delicate, that that you that holds you and makes you want to continue that journey and pulls you forward in the story. I don't think there's like, I don't believe in in a in you know in a formula for screenplays. I don't believe that, you know, in in all those Sidfield books and I think that's really reductive. But just that idea of the of what is it that holds you? What is it that moves you from that moment to the next? I think that's been clarified for me by constantly having to work on material that doesn't have, that is different, that doesn't have that kind of pure shape mm-hmm. and then finding it in, in the, on the screen or on the page. So, yeah, I think that's the way in which it's probably... Um, 
probably helped in my own kind of private, in my own non-adaptations. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.